Welcome to Voices of Experience radio show and podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Voices of Experience podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts. No promotional fees have been paid to anyone appearing on Voices of Experience. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Voices of Experience on Kixie AM 880, on KKNW 1150 AM, and if you're listening to it sometime in the future on my podcast. We'd like to uh, welcome Eric Crema to the studio today. Hey, Paul. Good to see you here. Good to be here. And Eric Ryder, once again. Good afternoon. Happy and, November. Yes, thank you. That's right, November 1st. And then we have Jim Fuda back. Thanks and for having me, you guys. You bet. Great to have you here in the studio. And uh, Jim is the executive director of Crime Stoppers. And uh, I think wanted to talk to Jim about today, about keeping your family, yourself safe during these times. It seems you get the feeling we're kind of on our own right now. And I wanted to cover certain topics that may make it easier for people to get through it um, during right now and also the holiday season. So he's going to be first up on that in just a few moments. The feature today is Uncle John. Have you heard of Uncle John? If you haven't, I've had him on before, and uh, he's written a number of books just about strange happenings. It's all trivia. I love that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, voices um, of history and little tidbits, musings by Neil Peterson. It's just another thing that he has written, like 36 various books on this, and we're going to talk to him about some of the strange things that happen in the world. It's kind of fun. One thing I'll tell you right now, Jackie Robinson wasn't the first African-American to play Major League Baseball. All right. Wow. So you'll okay. hear what he has to say. Speaking of Neil Peterson and meandering musings, uh, today he's going to talk about the Roadkill Cafe. And it's in Arizona. And its motto is, you kill it. <laughs> We grill it. Now, this is Neil. Okay? Yeah. What else do I need to say? <laughs> if I was going by that cafe, welcome to, I'd keep driving. Yeah. But no, Neil says, I got to stop. And this is what you will hear about the Roadkill Cafe. It's usually an insult directed at the chef. This tastes like roadkill. Right. But no, you're stopping there for the roadkill. Okay. So we'll hear again what Neil has to say on that. Today, uh, on Voices of History, two days ago, actually, a radio show aired, and it was in 1938, that kind of turned radio upside down to show how powerful it could be. And uh, there was disclaimers that took on a new urgency as a result of this broadcast when it aired. And um, there was a myth that I found out about today when I was researching out that I thought all along was associated with this particular radio show but people are saying, actually, this did not happen. So that's coming up in just a few moments. Timeless classic today. This song is so long that it took both sides of a 45 record to play. It's actually 7 minutes and 35 seconds. And um, I think it's very timely. I didn't want to put the song on particularly to what we're, not we, but what is going on in the Middle East. But uh, it's about soldiers going into battle and what they're thinking. And I think it's a, it was a really incredible song mm-hmm. back in its day in 1968. So I want to play that today for the, uh, again, the Timeless Classic. And if we have time, I want to talk about uh, entrepreneurship, solopreneurship, and uh, tips for financing your business. A couple of things I want to address there. So I think that gets us introduced, the program today. So... Um, if you have any questions you want to take, you can call uh, 425-653-1166. There's something you hear that you want to uh, call in about. That's 425-653-1166. Back with Voices of History in just a moment. Welcome to today's Voices of History. The Japanese have accepted fully the surrender terms of the United Nations this, ladies and gentlemen, is the end of the Second World War. We are down. We copy you down, Eagle. 
So, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. So here we are with uh, Voices of History for November 1st, 1923. On October 30th, 1974, Muhammad Ali becomes the first heavyweight championship champion of the world for a second time when he knocks out champ George Foreman in the eighth round in the Rumble in the Jungle in Kisha Zaire. Ali had lost the title when the U.S. government accused him of draft dodging and the Boxing Commission took away his license. The Supreme Court reinstalled his uh, winnings and allowed him to box again in, I think, about 1972, if that was the year. So I remember that. uh, It wasn't on TV. I remember it was distance away, but I was shocked that he was able to win that because nobody gave him a chance to win that, just as they never gave him a chance to win in 1964 against Sonny Liston. And, Jim, before we get into your subject, you met Muhammad Ali through uh, some of your work. I did. I I was able to be part of his security detail at an event that he went to at the uh, Olympic Hotel downtown. Great man. Uh, listen to you, kind of comedian, and we all know about his health issues. But what they would do is not give him his medications when he went out um, to out there because it made him more relaxed uh, and he would at times fall asleep. So he would shake a little bit, but he was just a great man. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with that. I, I thought the world of him, I, even when I was a little kid and he was boxing, I always just thought he was an incredible individual overcoming a lot of things, and just so brilliant, I mean, uh, in so many areas. He wasn't a just a boxer, right. that's for sure. Um, okay, so on October 30th, 1938, The War of the Worlds by Orson Welles was broadcast on radio, and uh, he was only 23, year old, 23 years old when this went on the air. It began on Sunday, October 30th at 8 p.m. Now, millions had turned on their radios, but most were listening to the ventriloquist Edgar Bergman and dummy <laughs> Charlie McCarthy on NBC for about the first 12 minutes. And then they tuned in to CBS, the broadcast of War of the Worlds, where the disclaimers are already taking place. Okay. Yeah, okay. So by then, the Martian invasion was underway. And an announcer broke in to report that explosions had occurred on Mars. And uh, soon the announcer described Martians emerging from large cylinders. He said the creatures with tentacles were emerging from a spacecraft. So on and on and on. Now, one of the things that I heard growing up that I understand now is urban legend is that people were jumping out of buildings and killing themselves Mm -hmm. because of this. I kind of looked that up, and of course, you got to trust Google, but they say, no, that really didn't happen. Um, But, and also, I guess this broadcast has grown yes. in circles over time. But you said you just listened to some of the broadcasts. I did. Right? I was just out of nostalgia. I wanted to listen to some of it. Uh, you forget how, what a great voice Orson Welles had, first of all, at okay. 23. Amazing. And to have the uh, the idea to come up with this. Uh, he actually thought it was going to be boring. He was really worried no one would pay attention. And then, and he came, uh, came on afterward and apologized profusely. But I'd heard through some of the reporting about it, that our little town of concrete up here in northern Washington, during the broadcast, the power went out and several homeowners went out thinking they would be confronting aliens <laughs> with their shotguns and various other things in hand, ready to do battle. Wow. <laughs> concrete. Isn't that imagine <laughs> if you really thought that? Yeah. It's like going on, it's like, I don't want to get off subject here, but I will sure. for a second. It's like in Hawaii, what? about five, six years ago, when for about 35, 40 minutes, people thought nuclear arms and right. were coming oh, in right. from Korea. Because for 35 minutes, yeah. they just really thought this was it. Hmm. So it's kind of the same thing. You, I've never really gone through something like that, that fear. Yeah. Never hurts to uh, check with other sources. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. if they flip back over to the, the ventriloquist <laughs> and see if, if, if Dummy was talking about the aliens, uh, <laughs> that, that yeah. might have confirmed either way. First of all, you got to agree, it would be really easy to be a ventriloquist on radio. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. It'd be the best in the world, right? What do you mean? <laughs> I never thought of that. Very good. 
Um, on October 31st, 1950, 21-year-old Earl Lloyd becomes the first African-American to play the NBA game when he takes to the court in a season opener for the Washington Capitals. Joining an all-white team was intimidating, but Lloyd remembered that his teammates were very, very welcoming. After seven games with the Capitals, Lloyd was drafted into the military and sent to Korea for two years. He returned to the U.S. The Capitals were out of business. Then he went on to play for the Syracuse Nationals, who became the Philadelphia 76ers eventually. He was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame in 2003. Always hear about Jackie Robinson. We're going to hear about... Um, Two different sports, though, really, isn't it? Right. And Jackie Robinson was the baseball player, correct? That is correct. Yeah, okay. That is correct. So yeah. I, when I saw this, well, who was the first African-American um, professional, you know, sports, professional right. basketball player? Right. A devastating earthquake hits Lisbon, Portugal, killing as many as 50,000 people on November 1st, 1755. That would be today. The city was rebuilt from scratch following a widespread destruction. Coincidentally, I was in Lisbon last week. You could see, uh, not the devastation, of course, but there was, I believe, one house and one church standing from that. Mm. And the city, again, rebuilt from scratch in 1755. It's still a very old city because it was rebuilt in 1755, and now they have huge boulevards and really a lot of great viewpoints that they didn't have before, apparently, but I wasn't there prior to that. So let's see what else. Um, on October 31st, 1873, the Washington Territorial Legislature created San Juan County. For centuries, the San Juan Islands were home to the Lummi, Samish, and the Salish people. The British came first, claiming their land was theirs, but were soon followed by American settlers and troops who claimed otherwise. This led to the Pig War, a 13-year standoff that ended in 1872, and the Pig War was that. The only person killed was a pig. Was mm-hmm. a pig. And the ruling came in 1872 that the San Juan Islands belonged to the United States. Hmm. So there you go. This is all courtesy of the History Channel and uh, History Link. So that's all we got on that. We'll be right back in just a moment with our conversation with Jim Fuda about public safety. You have been listening to Voices of History. If you have historical events that you would like to share, call the Voices of Experience hotline at 425-653-1166. That's 425-653-1166. Staying active and healthy as we age starts with strong bones. To keep your bones strong, you need calcium, vitamin D, and regular exercise. A bone density test called DEXA helps detect low bone mass and bone disease called osteoporosis. If you're 65 or older, Medicare provides free bone density tests every two years. Ask your doctor to schedule yours. For more information on how to be bone strong, visit pathtogoodbonehealth.org. Jim Fuda, Executive Director, as I mentioned earlier, the of Crime Stoppers at Puget Sound is with us. And uh, I kind of sum Jim in this um, regard is that he's really built a trusting relationship between the public, the police, and the media. And he's been doing this for a pretty long time now. He had a 33-year career in law enforcement with the King County Sheriff's Office. Internationally, Jim has worked as a police and military consultant and trainer for the U.S. Department of Justice in Indonesia, Pakistan, and Bosnia. And he responded to more than 300 hostage situations from 1980 to 2006. And, of course, he's also involved in trying to stamp out sex trafficking. You're a busy guy, Jim. Well, it's that stage of life, Paul, where... You can give back. Uh, I don't have to answer to a police chief anymore. And uh, and you can kind of do the right thing and move forward with uh, the nonprofit that we've we've uh, organized to uh, to take care of some of that human trafficking situation. Certainly. And um, we're friends and we've talked a lot about issues that are going on. And one of the things I talked about this week, we're entering, you know, the well, it's going to start getting dark uh, later or earlier in the day. And we're heading into deep part of fall and things like that. And the thing I wanted to do is like looking for public safety and, and what people can do. For example, one of the things that has really come up 
recently as carjackings. That this is these are things that you didn't really hear much about, and all of a sudden now they seem to be some frequency going on there. So there's two things that happen essentially that maybe someone's at a, a light, someone walks up with a stocking cap on, they put a gun, get you out of the car, and are on their way stealing the car. And then another is that they'll bump you in the back, like there's an accident, so you have to get out of the car, and then they'll do the same thing. Do I describe that somewhat right, or do you have other things sure, to add sure. to that? And, and what can people do, and what should they do well, if this happens? First thing, first things first is that your life is never worth your property. Um, give them what they want. Try to be as good a witness as you can when that happens. Of course, the sad part about it is when some of these carjackings happen, and there's a child in the back seat in a car seat. Those uh, obviously, um, I, I would let the the would be carjacker know because most of those guys want your car. They don't want to. They don't want to be a kidnapper. Um, but uh, the ones that would happen recently, steal a car to create a, a a small accident, and then three or four kids run up. They basically are kids. Are they uh, really? A lot of them are very young. Okay. And they um, uh, approach you. Shock and awe kind of thing. Steal your car and and drive away with it. Two of two uh, happened in our area uh, where where we live by by Alki Beach just in the last couple of weeks. And those women were able to get away because they just stepped on their on their gas pedal. Something like that should happen to you, where you look and you see someone with ski mask on. Drive to a safe location. Drive to a police station. Drive to a fire station uh, or someplace while you're calling nine one one. Um, uh, on on while you're trying to drive away from them. Do these happen mainly at night? Not necessarily. There, a lot of these are happen. The, the two that happened in our area were broad daylight. Okay. Yeah. So I heard a lot of area that are having a increased number of carjacking is in the Renton area. Right. The South End has has been uh, very active in that, and these groups and they're called the Kia Kids. They. Uh, uh, they're doing these shock and awe, whether it be they started with the pot shop robberies, then it went to the um, uh, to the convenience stores and the drug stores. And now we're the uh, uh, the carjacking scenarios that they're they're doing, too, now. And and you've seen what's happened in South Seattle and in Renton as well, uh, where they're doing the home invasions as well. OK, so home invasions. Uh, what can you do to protect yourself as best you can? Um, like I said, if someone comes in shock and awe like that, um, give them what they want. And like I said, the best thing you can be is a, is a, is a good witness. If you have cameras around your house, you know, uh, a lot of people say, well, those, those aren't helping the, the police. Well, that's not true because they're doing more than one and they put a pattern together. And once they get these guys, just like we do with the bank robberies, well, a bank robber hardly ever does one. We get them after their 10th one and, and they, it clears up. 10 of them right away. But the hard part is when people try to intervene, when they go in with these types of, of, uh, of robberies and somebody uh, does something. Let's say you're in a, in a convenience store and whether it be a citizen or the store clerk tries to do something, now it could escalate and you're turning a property. Uh, well, it is a crime against person, but it's a, a, a theft of property as opposed to you know, uh, your life, bodily injury or your life. That's great. Anybody have any questions for Jim as we move along here? Well, I was curious about, you'd mentioned stealing cars to then commit some other crime, uh, crashing into another car to carjack that car and so on, or to break into uh, a business. Are they that are any of these people stealing cars just to steal the car and resell it or parts, or is that something that was done way back when? Yeah, that is not not the case it, it, like it uh, it is now. They're finding these cars. But a lot of them are, are damaged so bad because, like you said, they're doing the, the, the smash and grabs as well. And, and now they're doing, using some pickup trucks as well to do the smash and grabs and steal the ATM. Uh, but but uh, uh, let me talk to you, Kia kids, as we're speaking right now, is that you, go to, you cause all that damage and you, wanna, you think you're getting a lot of money out of those ATMs in the, in the grocery stores or the convenience stores. Those, are, those hold nothing of any value like you would if you were getting into a bank, and you will not get the ones out of the bank. There's there's too many safeguards there. Okay, very good to know. Uh, well, real quick, though, I also sure. saw a video as a door door video of the in home invasion in Auburn where three, I believe they were juveniles, were trying to bust down the door, and they took, their, they took turns on this door. I was impressed. 
whoever installed this door. I was like, I need to know who installed it. Is that that must be important? Make sure your front door is super secure. Absolutely, and 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 the idea behind that is you you make your house with the with the floodlights, with the cameras, uh, with the solid door. You make your house less attractive to where they move on to the to, to another house. Gotcha. And the other thing is, I think putting signs up like you know whoever your security service is outside the house in front of your let's say, in the front yard or something, they see that, so maybe that'll even move them on to the next place. Right. Well, I'll give you an example. Just today, I put another solar light out in front of my house because my Crime Stop Camaro was damaged again. Oh. So, uh, uh, so I've got lights on it and, and cameras on it as well now, so, uh, so at least I'll be able to see who's, uh, who's uh, trying to damage that property. I want to talk about, uh, hate to talk about this, but I'm because in view of just what happened in Maine, mass shootings again, and we've talked about this before, and you taught me something like uh, when we were going, we've been out to eat in a restaurant, and I asked you about this, how you can do to protect yourself, and I noticed that after a while we've been going out, you positioned yourself, so you're sitting in a chair that you're looking at the door, and you've already seen the exits, the entrances, and you're, you're cognizant of that, correct? Right, and it's called... And it's not a paranoia thing. It's situational awareness where you feel comfortable. If something should happen, what would I do and where would I, where would I go? Um, and it gets into the run, hide, fight thing. And, and Crime Stoppers has a situational awareness video out. Go to YouTube, Google Crime Stoppers situational awareness, and, you, and it'll come right up. It's a six-minute video on what to do in an active shooter situation. I've seen it, and it's very well done. There's a few things I saw in an office situation. People returning the offices. If this does happen, you know, I, I thought one of the things, and tell me if I'm right here, is that you're in a situation and you're in a locked office, but somehow the shooter gets in there, go right after him. Don't sit there and wait. You just have to, you know, try to subdue him. Right. If, if you can run, run. If you can't run, you don't feel the shots are too close, you hide. And then if you have to, you know, and, and understand, if you have to fight, you'll be fighting for your life. Hopefully it won't be by yourself. Uh, there'll be some, somebody else in that locked room with you. Good. Well, we're going to return to some of the issues we're talking about here because you were busy today. You were on King this morning and also Fox News talking about some subjects I want to address with you. Just want to take a break here and go in. Let's visit with Neil Peterson. I want to find out about this roadkill this, uh, restaurant that he <laughs> you getting hungry, are you? And seeing about that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Need some so, squirrel. Um, yeah. So Neil, oh gosh, he's the. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about Neil and what he's done. He's the founder and CEO of the Edge Foundation, which helps students with executive functioning challenges. That's a way of saying ADHD. He is the author of a book called The Edge, which, again, is about that subject. He's a highly successful entrepreneur. He founded Flexcar, which is now known as Zipcar. And um, he also led transportation agencies in L.A., Oakland, and Seattle. In Metro in Seattle, that's where I met him. Uh, he's been featured in Time Magazine, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, NPR, and Good Morning America. He started a blog called Meandering Musings, and you can visit that at neilstrips.com. And then he started a podcast, which he's going through here at Hubbard Media Group and uh, helping him out a lot in this. And so I suggested that he take, you know, a lot of his meandering musings that he's been with his, um, you know, publishing online and do a podcast, which he's been doing. And today, again, we're going to talk about one of them, and it's entitled Roadkill. Roadkill Cafe. Many of you have enjoyed some of my blogs about restaurants. Well, I have one more for you that I think you'll get a kick out of. On my road trip from Southern California this past May, I passed through Northern Arizona on my way to Santa Fe, New Mexico, eventually going to Colorado, Wyoming, Idaho, Oregon, and Washington State. Going east from Flagstaff on Interstate 40, I stopped for lunch in Seligman, a town of 500 people. Seligman is actually on historic Route 66, not on Interstate 40. And I say historic because it was Seligman's residents who petitioned the Arizona legislature to declare Highway 66 an historic highway. 
Upon entering the town, I saw in the distance a sign for the Roadkill Cafe. That caught my attention. As I got closer, I saw another sign that drew me in even further. Yes, indeed. It said, You kill it, we grill it. I had to stop. Absolutely had to stop. No question about it. Lunch at the Roadkill Cafe. You kill it, we grill it. Going inside, I was not disappointed. What a menu. Let me share with you some of the items on the menu. For breakfast, you've got a choice between awesome possum, splatter platter, armadillo on the half shell, dead meat treat, buzzard bait, to name a few. For lunch, options include bad break steaks, deer delectables, the chicken that almost crossed the road. For starters, you can order paws and claws, funky skunk, buffalo bat wings, crispy toad, beer-basted skunk. Whoever came up with the names for these dishes was very creative. For example, crispy toad has a subtitle, dried on the road, but is really cheese crisp. More specifically, it is a large flour tortilla covered with melted cheddar cheese, onions, jalapenos, tomatoes, and homemade salsa available upon request, all for $5.99. Beer-basted skunk is subtitled Stunk of Skunk. It is really fried zucchini, dipped in home-style butter and batter and fried to a golden brown, all for $7.99. In addition to the menu, that you had to pour over to understand all the crazy dishes. The other great thing about the Roadkill Cafe was its water. Yes, it's water. When you ask for a glass of water, you get a real glass of water. I've ordered glasses of water in thousands of restaurants in this country and abroad, and I don't think I've ever had a bigger one and more substantial glass than the one I received at the Roadkill Cafe. Bottom line, the Roadkill Cafe is a must-stop for everyone. It's a six-hour road trip from Los Angeles, a 20-hour road trip from Seattle, a 12-hour road trip from Denver, and a three-hour road trip from Phoenix. The Roadkill Cafe. If you kill it, we'll grill it. Okay, welcome back to Voices of Experience. And again, that was... Uh Neil Peterson, and uh, enlightened us on the Roadkill Cafe. Mm, Very taste. enlightening. Yes. I love that line in, I think it was Christmas Vacation, where Cousin Eddie says uh, they, they want him to catch the squirrel. And, and his wife says, doesn't he catch those squirrels and eat them? And his wife says, no, he's, they found out he's too, too high in cholesterol. He doesn't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. Uh, I can't uh, go without a Christmas without watching that. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, that's course. just standard. Well, yeah. Neil's always got just fascinating. Neil Peterson, amazing stuff. Yeah, really does. Theandringmusings.net, great website. Right. Speaking of great websites and and things, you have a wonderful one, too, where people can learn more about what you're doing, Paul, at VoicesOfExperience.com, VoicesOfExperience.com. And as part of uh, our, our phone number, the 425-653-1166 each week, you give away a book. That's right. Yeah, uh, so somebody, the first caller, right? The first caller who will call in, just to emphasize, leave your address and phone number, mainly your address. But, uh, yeah, it's a book. It's called The Self-Employment for You. And one of the things I talk about and kind of surrounding what I try to get at is that anyone can start a business, only a few can sustain a business. Mm-hmm. And in the book, what I try to do is not talk you into going into business or out of it. I want you to make that determination for yourself. When you finish the book, I want to have people say, wow, I can do this, I'm very encouraged, or this isn't for me. And that's fine, because that's what I'm asking. Is it for you now? It could be a matter of timing. It could be a matter of investments that you have, your life, things. you got to have timing is everything on that. So um, I'd love to give away a free book, um, 425-653-1166. And, um, yeah, for sure. And a special thanks, too, to all those people who have subscribed, downloaded, subscribed, and liked 
your podcast. Yes. Those numbers are growing each and every week, and that's thanks to the audience. So appreciate right. it. Right. Appreciate that very much. And yes, I'd love to get that book to as many people as possible. I wrote it about five years ago, but it's still timely. Yes. I wrote the first version in 2004, and it wasn't timely anymore if I was still sending it out because that's before the iPhone. Yeah. But Talk, talking about fax machines and things down. like that. Exactly. And that's what I was doing. I need to update this. <laughs> Make sure you have your beeper. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, on today's Solopreneur, sounds like you're going to be speaking about tips on financing. That's got to be important. Yeah. I, I just want to briefly go over some of the things that I feel are important when you're starting out on your journey in self-employment. And I've talked about this before, but keeping your overhead low. Um, you can spend money on a lot of stupid things in the beginning, and I'm just for keeping your business as tight to the best as possible, no matter what it is. And um, you can always expand later. You can hire other people. And what my advice is, I just get you to the first three years or so. And I kept my business kind of small and tight to the best. That's not saying everybody should do that. But, you know, if you want to become a Jeff Bezos, you have to do things like out of your garage to start. And I've just seen too many businesses, I think, start up. They have this idea and they spend unnecessary money on, let's say, office space. Maybe not as much now mm-hmm. as before, but nonetheless, like they'll spend it on cars and a lot of razzle dazzle things. And, you know, you look at, let's say, a 10 years or so, um, if you're just spending $10,000 a month, you know, just on these things, it, that comes up to a million dollars in over 10 years. And that's a lot of money Absolutely. that you could be saving and putting into your marketing, into your business. So I'm suggesting that. And the other thing is that I strongly suggest that you look at uh, when you're approaching business, being an entrepreneur, that is a function in and of itself. I'm an entrepreneur to say, and I happen to be on a radio show now or happen to be publishing a newspaper before. But that is your profession. And what you should do, I think, is always be thinking of trying to find a niche and solve someone's problem. And I think you increase your prospects for success enormously rather than about your passion, what you love to do. It has nothing to really do with running a successful business. You've said before, value your fear. What did you mean by that? Well, it is good to go into and respect that the challenge that you're going into and it's just something that you should be aware of and, 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 and very thoughtful of that, that this is not something to be dismissed and taken lightly, that it's good to have that fear in your gut, getting up in the day, it pushes you in the direction that I think uh, you need. And if you don't, I think you're way too relaxed. Seems to me too, there's a lot of things going on with solopreneurs or, or in, in advantage of solopreneurs that maybe weren't there, say, 15 years ago. I know in our even in our small town, there's an office space that is divided into multiple spaces. So you have a professional place to go work and meet with people and things like that. But you you don't have it 24-7. You're not having to have that expense. It's more on a uh, almost like a, a menu item, you know, right. what you need. Right. I, I just suggest start, if you can, just start your business out of your basement. There you go. Just start out you know, for sure. Great. So stuff. good. Great, Great questions. Stuff. Really enjoyed that. And again, Eric, you want to say about getting, yeah, a copy if you of the want, book? if you want a copy of is self-employment for you, simply dial four, two, five, six, five, three, one, one, six, six. Here's the caveat. You need to be the first caller. And when you call, go ahead and leave your name, address, and phone number so that we can verify back to you that you're actually going to get the book. Got it. All right. Jim Foody, you've been sitting there relaxing too much. We have to bring you back into the <laughs> fold here. And that is um, talking about, again, helping people out to stay safe and holidays. We're coming up on the holidays. It's starting earlier every year, but here we are. So take it, Jim. Tell us what you can do to make holidays a little safer. Yeah, the holiday shopping thing is a kind of a three-part thing. In the store, in the parking lot, or then online. Now, consider yourself in the, in the store you know, if a woman's carrying a purse, you know, there's a lot more people out and uh, uh, make sure that that purse doesn't get stolen or you don't get pickpocketed. Uh, don't flash around a lot of cash. Someone ends up following you out to the parking lot. Uh, don't argue over over merchandise with somebody else. Um, no sense uh, you're in a mall and, and a lot of people and you don't know what's what's going on and 
you know, someone there end up in a fist fight in the, you know, in the parking lot. Uh, but then going out to your car, and one thing I, I've always said is that if you go, uh, you're doing a lot of shopping at one time, and you go out, you've got a bunch of bags, and you go and put them in the trunk of your car, and then, well, God, i got a great parking spot, and then you go right back inside. Move your car if you're going to have bags in there. and guarantee you that there's people watching in those large parking lots to uh, um, to. Steal your property. Yeah, so throwing it in the trunk is no real protection then. Absolutely, someone's watching absolutely. you Absolutely, yeah. Right. And because you've got, let's say you're at South there and you've got the one security car driving around, is that uh, uh, they're going to wait till that, that uh, security car's gone past, and then they're going to pop your trunk and get your, get your stuff. And if you feel like when you walk out of a store, you're being followed, go back in the store uh, with, with packages. No sense. It's kind of one of those things, trust your gut. And you'll even hear that in our situational awareness video is that there's no harm in a false alarm. If you feel uncomfortable, get out of that, trust your gut and, and get out of that situation. And then when you're shopping online, use trusted sites. And one thing my wife yells at me all the time is to use my credit card, not my debit card. The debit card, your money's taken immediately. Well, at least with a credit card, you've got some some uh, uh, retribution if uh, if something should be should be wrong with that. At least you can dispute it. My wife tells me that all the time too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and don't shop online uh, using uh, public Wi-Fi, uh, and uh, you never know who's who's on that. And, I mean, don't sit in a Starbucks and and do all your Christmas shopping while you're having a cup of coffee. Great. You uh, had a couple interviews today. I did. And on King and on Fox. So what did you talk about? One was about safety. There was an attack in a light rail station. Did you have any uh, words of wisdom, let's say, for people who are waiting for light rail? Yeah, it, it gets back to the same thing. This was the guy with the hammer that that uh, 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 used the hammer to uh, hit over the head to uh, uh, elderly people, an elderly yeah, couple. That was awful. And, and uh, uh, it's just one of those things is that separate yourself from those people as far as you can if you see somebody acting acting strangely or leave if you have to. Um, and it goes back to looking for your exits um, and don't confront the person. This this One of the um, uh, victims actually uh, confronted him and started yelling at him, which, you know, you're going to agitate someone that's got mental health issues like that, especially if he's got a hammer in his hand and he's a, a big guy. Of course. Yeah, just let it go. Again, it's the old thing. Your life, yeah. your property. Who Common cares? sense you stuff. Can always right. Certainly. Well, thank you, Jim, very much for that. And maybe we'll come back to a few things while you're still here. I just wanted to also mention that, gosh, oh, I'm going to say about six weeks ago, I had an interview with a Dr. Collier, and he's a dermatologist. Okay. I mentioned my issue with basal and melanoma, mm-hmm. which I had, and I did get it uh, taken care of, and I caught it early, and I'm clean and everything, but I do go there every four months. And I did the interview with Dr. Collier, and he was urging people to do that, uh, get in and get checked. And then somebody called me this week and said he heard that show, and he said 10 minutes later he had been putting it off, and he decided that he was going to get it checked. He went in. He just called me and said he had was uh, confirmed with melanoma on his arm, and, uh, but he got it early. And that was really gratifying because he did take action in catching something like this is very early and he's going to be fine. Ultimately going to have the surgery and his margins are really low, but you wait, if he had gotten that six months later, could have been a different story. So public service announcement, get your skin checked, even though it's cloudy out now and um, the rains are coming, but uh, just keep in mind to do that. So I was very pleased about that. Um, part. So let's see, what else do we have today? We're talking that, we got that, solopreneur, we're, gosh, we're moving along pretty we're, darn good. We're moving good. along at a great clip here. Yeah, so um, why don't we do this? We'll head to what I was talking about earlier, Uncle John, and do an interview I had with him a couple weeks ago, and uh, it's the latest collection of entertaining articles that explore the weird, weird world we live in. We all kind of know that. But uh, he picked up a lot of fascinating knowledge in his life. In his childhood, he spent a lot of time reading, traveling extensively. Again, I think I mentioned he's written 36 books on this. He studied journalism in college, and um, he's done music, sports, and literature. 
He's written a couple of stage musicals and a sci-fi novel. He also was a contestant on Jeopardy. So there you go. This is Uncle John. First of all, is there a real Uncle John? Well, you know, Uncle John is its kind of an idea or a concept or, or a collective. You know, a bunch of us make these books, and we, we all kind of say we're Uncle John, but there was a real Uncle John at one point. John Javna is a trivia writer, and he started the company back in 1988. And uh, we, you know, 36 books later, uh, we're, we're on our third Uncle John. After John Javna, there was Gordon Javna, and now there's me. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's not just a clever, a clever play on the, on, the, on the pun name of John for a toilet. There was a real Uncle John. When did you take over? I started in. I started working here in the mid 2000s. I think this is my 21st book that that I've done. It's uh, it's taken up my entire adult life, and I couldn't be happier. How about the uh, history and how that came along? All of our stuff is is made in in quick little shots, so you can read as little or as much as uh, as you uh, have the time to do so. I see that this uh, latest edition has over 400 pages of factoids and information. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, some of the titles like Format Flops, just this trivia. And I love this stuff. That's why I like to talk to you. And one of the sections <laughs> you have uh, was myth uh, conceptions that are actually myths. And, like, for example, one of the things that I thought is cows sleep while standing. Well, you broke that myth for me today, and I'm very disappointed. Uh, th- you know, these are my. This is my favorite thing in the book. I love these things where you're you just think you know stuff, and then... You, you come across something in a book and you find out that you don't know as much as you think you do and you're totally startled. Cows don't sleep standing up. You, you see them out there, you think they're always standing up in the pasture and they might doze off for a few minutes standing up the same way that, you know, you or I might doze off at our desks. Uh, but if they're going to lay down and, and sleep for a while, they're going to lay down. Cows, you just never see it. But cows really do sleep laying down just like everybody else. And another one is a myth that you pointed out, and this really surprised me, that Jackie Robinson was not the first African-American to play Major League Baseball. No, just in the modern era. Yeah, he's, he's you know, rightfully celebrated as the first African, African-American to play Major League Baseball in 1947. But in 1879, the Providence Grays of the National League very early on in Major League Baseball signed a man named William Edward White, and he played in one game, but that's... That's a historical first. He's the first uh, black professional baseball player. Also coming up, or actually we just passed this uh, time frame on September 19th, and it's an international event called Talk Like a Pirate Day. What is that about? My favorite holiday. Well, uh, Talk Like a Pirate Day means that you're supposed to go around and, and you know, say, R and F, ask me hearties, and you know, shiver me timbers and all that. But um, technically... However you talk is talking like a pirate because this this whole idea of what we think pirates sound like isn't uh, isn't accurate. It's not historically uh, true. Uh, pirates in the golden age of piracy came from all over the world, so of course they had all kinds of languages and dialects. And what we think of the pirate voice actually only dates back about seventy years, and it's from an actor named Robert Newton who starred in a bunch of those you know Disney Technicolor pirate movies: Treasure Island, Long John Silver, Blackbeard the Pirate. And he just naturally spoke in his his West Country English dialect, and then he kind of made it more grizzled and colorful by adding in these kind of pirate-sounding turns of phrase that he and the screenwriters just made up, like scurvy dog and R and, uh, you know, not conjugating and saying, I be tired and, and stuff like that, like all the invention of... Of, of some Hollywood magic in the 50s. That's amazing. And uh, But there is actually a Talk Like a Pirate Day. September 19th. I never forget it somehow. All right. Well, I'll not forget it myself. I never thought of something <laughs> like that I would hear, but, hey, that's what this book's all about. How do you run down these stories? They're pretty incredible. Do you have a staff that does this 24-7? How do you do it? Uh, there's, a, there's a handful of us on staff, and we just kind of collect stuff year-round where... We're, we're tuned into it. We watch a lot of TV. We read a lot of books. We collect. Uh, we have a big research library. We, we clip things out of out of magazines. We, we see things on the Internet. A lot of our fans send us things. Our moms clip things out of newspapers and send it to us. And we just have all these files going, and then we just, you know, quickly and slowly uh, accumulate everything into, into good articles, and, and then we make a book out of it. I want to talk before we go about format flops, things that come out that roll out onto the scene. 
and then they disappear over a period of time. But you think for a while this is going to be the next breakthrough technology. Could you give us a few examples of that? You know, there was a there was you know a lot of other uh, home video options before uh, DVDs came out, like uh, the video CD in 1993. Philips created this, and, and it was uh, the first kind of real digital video market. And it only did well in Southeast Asia, where the extreme humidity in the region basically left VHS tapes unusable. So they couldn't really use VHS tapes there, and so discs were this cheap way for consumers to replace them. But uh, once DVDs came around, uh, studios completely lost interest in putting the movies on video CD for, for just this one part of the world. But they would be the way that movies would be pirated to this day. Like, you, you go on a, on a street corner anywhere around the world and there's bootleg DVDs for sale. Those are actually video CDs, which were created by a big corporate conglomerate 30 years ago, and it just didn't take off. So the book is called Uncle John's Weird, Wonderful World Bathroom Reader, Scanning the Globe for the Strange Stories and Fantastic Facts. You can Google Uncle John's Stories if you'd like to check it out. Well, that's all the time we have for this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey. Any comments you heard about the show today, you can call the Voices of Experience hotline at 425-653-1166. And also, if you'd like a complimentary copy of the book, is self-employment for you, 425-653-1166. Next week, pollster Stu Elway, election results and what they will mean in King County. The election will have just taken place, and we'll talk about it and how it affects Seattle, and again, King County and the state. So let's see, what else? Um, I want to thank Neil Peterson, Eric Ryder, for doing such a wonderful job and being able to make changes very quickly, as you always do. Eric Krema and Jim Fuda, thank you so, so much for being here today. Quote of the week, never follow anyone else's path unless you're in the woods and you're lost and you see a path. Then by all means, follow the path. Ellen DeGeneres. This week's Timeless Classic is coming up next. You'll hear the whole song on Kixie, part of it on KKNW and You won't hear it on my podcast because of licensing issues. Okay, hope you get through the monsoons for the next couple days well enough. Take care. Bye. The following Timeless Classic was so long that it took up both sides of a single record. It's 7 minutes and 30 seconds long. You are going to hear the entire version. It's about a chaplain who blesses a body of troops just before they set out on an overnight patrol. It's organized into three movements, an introduction, a programmatic interlude, and its conclusion. The soldiers of God had done well defeating the enemies. However, the soldiers returned with tears in their eyes, having second thoughts about their mission. One of the returning soldiers feels more disturbed with the smells of death when he looks up to the sky, remembering the commandment, Thou shalt not kill. From 1968, Eric Burton and the Animals and Sky Pilot. He blesses the boys as they stand in line. The smell of gun grease and their bayonets they shine. He's there to help them all that he can To make them feel wanted, he's a good holy man
It's time for Drive-By Funny, your daily dose of irreverent humor on KKNW. Here's comedian Jim Gaffigan, and it's all about rich astronauts. Who's your favorite billionaire pretend astronaut? (laughs) Can you believe there's a choice? And it's not between just two. We live in a day... When billionaires are building their own rockets to fly to outer space and no one's saying, are you sure they're paying all their taxes? Because I know some teachers that need supplies. It's like these billionaires are trying to execute the plan of a five-year-old boy. When I grow up, I'm going to be a bazillionaire. And I'm going to build my own spaceship. Fly to outer space. Okay, Jeffrey. But now it's time for bed. I almost feel sorry for the accountants of the billionaires. Because, you know, they were like, you had an amazing year. You made $40 billion. But I fudged the number so it looks like you broke even. As long as you lay low and don't draw attention, we should be fine. You got anything coming up? I built a rocket to fly to outer space. You you know I meant to lay low on this planet. Does it matter if the rocket's shaped like a penis? I do enjoy the reasoning of the billionaires for going to space. They're like, oh, I'm going to outer space, so eventually you can go to outer space. I'm going so you can go. I I don't want to go to outer space. I want to go to Italy. Why don't you work on that? 